Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey folks, I'm Ed McGrogan here with Pete Bodo for the Tennis.com podcast, looking at the latest trends and all in the fall season of tennis around both tours. And one thing we were talking about earlier today that uh, Pete, you'll be writing on a little bit is some of the players who traditionally have been have done well at fall tournaments, indoor events, or what have you, haven't exactly been showing their stuff lately and have actually kind of bombed out recently. And um, you had a few examples that you noticed uh, over the past few weeks, the first tier of the fall season. What? Uh, well, yeah, who, it's who, yeah, who you noticed there? It's almost like not even a matter of the fall or even indoor. It's really a question of hard courts. Some of these guys who really make the most, do the most damage on hard courts are really not showing up big at all. They're coming up uh, really small. You know, uh, outstanding example, uh, ironically, Nikolai Davidenko, who's really been a model of consistency on the tour, no matter how you look at it, you know, took down Marin Cilic in, in Beijing. Now, Cilic... Uh, you know, was one of those guys who was really supposed to have come on strong. You know, uh, when he uh, against Murray there two years ago at the U.S. Open, he, uh, he beat Murray in a fourth round. Murray had gone to the final at the U.S. Open previously. And then, you know, Chilich ended up losing to Juan Martin Del Potro. That was, you know, that looked like, hey, you know, maybe Chilich has arrived. Then he goes in and gets to the final in Beijing. So, you know, that's a pretty good baseline to look back on. You know, that was then, this is now. And he also had the Australian Open semifinal earlier this year. That's right. Yep. So, you know, you, you thought the guy was really on a, on a verge of breaking out. And, you, and, and given that, you think that, okay, this fall season on the indoor and outdoor hard courts as, as they move along through the year, that he would be well positioned to really build build on it. But, you know, he's he's really not getting it done. You know, he's, he's had, a, he's had a, a, a tough run. You know, he went he, at the U.S. Open. You know, he gets the semis in Washington and then it, it, 0-2 at the U.S. Hardcourt Masters events, a place where he could have done a lot of damage and has done some damage in the past. He loses, Then he loses a second-round match at Kei Nishikori at the U.S. Open. Nishikori coming back from injury, five-hour match, real real killer. Granted, it was a great effort by Nishikori. But, you know, if you're Marin Cilic, you need to win that match. And then he's won exactly two matches since since the U.S. Open. He beat Lucas Laco. And he, uh, in Tokyo, I guess, and, and then he beat uh, Thomas Bellucci. So, you know, that's that's really pretty slim pickings for him. And and the irony is that he's, you know, Thomas Burdick is in, in a very similar boat. Yeah, actually, both of those guys, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back on what they've done this year. Those are two players who, like you said, are hardcore. You, you would classify, I think, as hardcore players. That's where they'd make their money and everything. Burdick has had his best results in the French made the semifinals, made the final of Wimbledon. Chilich, from what I remember, besides the stuff we've mentioned about his hardcore abilities, he had a he had a, a good I believe a good Davis Cup run earlier in the year in the couple rounds. That was on clay as well back in Croatia. And so so both of these guys, you know, it's it's sort of a reversal of what you'd expect I've seen so far. And Burdich is the strangest case of all because it seemed like as he was peaking after the clay and grass season, it seemed natural for him to go into the hard courts and keep that keep that momentum going. But well, and let's remember that Burdick started this kind of this renaissance in a sense is run in Miami. You know, when he gets to the final against Roddick. So, you know, it's not like the guy can't play. But you're right. There's, there's yeah. these guys are morphing in front of our eyes into we're saying, well, these great hardcore, but eh, maybe they're actually good clay court players. You know? It's, yeah. Well, maybe. Well, maybe it's also a thing where we're talking about players and events that have happened really so long ago in terms of the whole tennis season and I, I think this maybe could illustrate how how long the season is and how no matter who you're gonna who who you see at the, 
at certain points there's always going to be ebbs and flows. I think in this case, the you know the drought for Burdich and Chilich has gone on a little longer than expected, but but it's it's tough to expect unless you're you know one of the top top tier players. And we've never put Burdich into that category, even after he made the woman of the final to to sustain something for so long. So maybe that's the thing to consider is just how long the consistency can hold for a player whose shots are really such a you know he he's going for lines all the time. He's a hard hitter. He he has a little room for error already in his game, and you know it, it could be showing now where you're a little more fatigued as the season goes on and it winds down to the fall. Well, that's all well and good, but you look at these really good players. What they do is they build momentum. They build, they build. You know, they they sort of go level after level. They hit a plateau, then they then maybe stop there for a little while. They kind of tread water, then they make that next leap, and that's ideally what you want to do in a career. And that's what all the great ones did, and they stayed great, and that's why they that's why they're called great. But I mean, a guy like Burdick, you know, this is a very disappointing thing. I mean, Burdick basically, you know, semis of French final at Wimbledon. He, he's really positioned. Everyone had talked about what a head case the guy is. Maybe maybe that's over now. Maybe he's really pulled himself together. But then, geez, I mean, he, you know, you look at after Wimbledon, you know, he, you know, he went to uh, a, a couple of quarterfinals, Washington and Canada, which wasn't too bad. He loses to Federer in Canada. That's, that's, that's a very acceptable loss. And then all of a sudden, you know, what happens? He, he, he goes, he wins a match and goes down straight sets to Baghdadis in Cincinnati. Then he, he he gets upset by Michael Lodra at the U.S. Open first round. Now Lodra is a very fine player on hard courts. It's a bet, you know, it's it's not as bad a loss as it may appear on paper, but still, you know, he and then he goes, you know, and he loses four matches and wins exactly one since that loss to Lodra at the U.S. Open. So it's just, these guys drove the bus off the cliff. Yeah, there's. It seems like the 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 Burdich bandwagon uh, sort of let everybody off, and he's tired, baby. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> He he is an interesting case. He'll have, he'll have some more opportunities as well. Everybody, there's still a, a number of weeks to go. But you're, you're right. It's it's kind of just an odd trend, I guess, for a player like that. Um, on the on the women's side, a player who you wouldn't necessarily compare to Burdich, but you could you could draw some some similarities in that. She has a very high risk game. She's also gone on a little bit of a. Uh oh, do I hear the S word coming up? It is not. Serena, it is Sharapova, and uh, obviously a far less consistent player than Serena over in recent years. You just roll on Sharapova where um, it's now been two years, two full years since her last uh, slam, the 08, 08 Australian Open, and then the subsequent shoulder problems, and we've, we've kind of revisited Sharapova a number of times in the year where we say we think she's back, we think she has finally figured out the serve, but it's now October, and uh, we, you you look back at the results of her this year, and really, it's it's been a still a, a big inconsistency. She had a lot of finals this year, but the but the more telling thing was that small she finals. was small finals. I think she went one and four in in one or three one of three in finals. Um, so you had some thoughts on Sharapova and just how she how we should perceive her now as you know as the the new Sharapova, for better or worse. It may not be the same one that we've come to expect over the years. Well, look, the suggestion the suggestion really is that the new Sharapova is, you know, a player, is a top 20 player. 
you know, and, and maybe not and better than a top 20 player. You know, you don't want to be harsh on her. You want to, you know, you got to have sympathy for a girl, you know, who's gone through such injury. She's also young. She could, she could basically reinvent herself. Although I don't I'm not sure that she isn't doing exactly what she ought to be doing, given the tools she has in terms of her game plan. But, you know, a, a couple of readers have gotten after us about this. And, you know, there might be an element of truth in it is that we've always, we tend to give Sharapova a pass on her, on her weaknesses, you know, and her inconsistencies, you know, partly because she's got this reputation as a very hard worker, a real fighter. Uh, you know, that was on display at Wimbledon, you know. I mean, there aren't that many women who will go out there and, and, you know, really stand up to Serena Williams and say, all right, we'll take your best shot, I'll take mine, we'll see who wins. You know, there's the intimidation factor with Serena is huge. And Sharapova, to her credit, you know, has the guts to go out there and play her game and say, you know, I'll trade, I'll trade shots with you. You know, no matter what the score is, you know, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm bringing, and I'm, I'm not going to back off and, and, and try to out-clever you, or I'm not going to get scared by the occasion. So, you know, you, you want your heart kind of goes out to her, but, you know, she is getting, you know, uh, she's, she's sort of living on rep in a sense. And, and, and I think she's got to sort of get some results together and try to try to kind of reinvent herself, even if it's just in a per, our perception at this point. Uh, her, her conundrum, you know, is really that she's, you know, she's she's a huge star. So no, no matter what, you know, you talk, you, you say, who who would you rather go see play, Agnieszka Radwanska or Maria Sharapova? Mm-hmm. And right. Radwanska's out now. But, you know, people are going to say, oh, Maria Sharapova, she's a huge star. But, you know, the results really, really haven't been there. And the inconsistency has, you know, the inconsistency has been striking. She, she'll go and she'll win like a Memphis early this year. And people would think, well, she's really on a road back. And then, you know, then, then she'll, you know, fall into panel where she's struggling again. She'll step up at majors. You know, she had a decent French Open, loses to Hennon. You know, she has she had good Wimbledon, loses to Serena, plays plays a decent match against Serena. Couldn't get tougher matches in those two, in those tournaments, yeah. No, you yeah. couldn't, exactly. Uh, and, you know, at the U.S. Open, she, she had a couple of, you know, pretty easy matches. That, you know, she destroyed that poor American girl, you know, uh, on, on a very, very windy day at the Open. So that's, you know, not as good as a win as it may have looked, just judging from the score. But then she loses to Wozniacki. That, to me, is sort of telling. You know, you can't, you know, she, she's got to go out there and beat a Caroline Wozniacki. But she went down in straight sets, three and four, I think it was. So, you know, you think, well, geez, is that all there is? Does she, is, does she have anything left? So she's got to f- find some way to shake it up, to build some momentum, maybe change a couple things, maybe change a couple little things in her gameplay, a little little more margin of, of error, of safety, just until she wins a couple of those matches and, and reestablishes herself there in the top ten. Hasn't been a bad thing to, to play with a little more margin for error on uh, the current crop of the women's store. I mean, it's, you know... Keeping the ball in play has, has sometimes been half the battle, especially when you have players like the Williams sisters and and Kleister's off action for a while. They're the ones who have been who have tended to make you pay for the short balls, and a lot of a lot of matches have come down to just better rallying skills. It's it's less about less put away skills, but. And with another important proviso, though, which is that I think the women are hitting harder and flatter in general. You got the Azarenkas around now. You got, you know, other players who, who who aren't afraid to really, you know, give the ball a good ride and keep it fairly flat and 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 go a little closer to the lines. And that works against Sharapova because movement has always been an issue for her. She's not a great mover. You know, the best way to beat her is to attack her. You know, to sort of handcuff her to keep her from imposing her her sort of. She plays like by set pieces. You know. Hits the big forehand to the corner, you know. Looks, looks, looks to follow it up with with another big shot that pins you further back, and then puts away the next one. So, if you can actually keep her back on her heels, keep her off that baseline, keep her outside the lines, 
having to take those big swings but not being able to drive the ball too deep. That'll help. And a lot of the girls today, I think, can do that. You know, they, they hit a harder, flatter ball. They're a little more aggressive in general. They take away more time from Sharapova, and that's something she can't really afford to give up. Yeah, we'll see, I think, more from Sharapova. There's not really too much left of her schedule this year. She probably will not qualify for the year in championships because of her uh, her ranking. And, uh, you know, it's really... Uh, out of the Australian Open almost for most of the women besides those who are in contention for that and then there's the Fed Cup but that season will be over shortly the men's is a little longer so some more time to see what if Burgess can uh, do what he can do anyways that's it for today's podcast uh, with Pete Bodo I'm Emma Grogan thanks for listening you've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast thanks for listening for all the latest news and events head over to Tennis.com 